I know you belong to somebody new, but tonight you belong to me. Although we're apart, you're part of my heart, but tonight you belong to me. Way down by the stream, a very, very sweet it would sing. Once more, just a dream in the moonlight. My honey, I know with the dawn that you will be gone. So tonight, you belong to me. You're listening to the Sci-Fi Diner Podcast, serving the latest news in sci-fi multimedia. And now, your hosts, Scott, Miles, and Anna. Your table is ready. Live long and prosper. This is the captain. We have a little problem with our entry sequence, so we may experience some slight turbulence and then explode. I got a bad feeling about this. Walter, put the cow away, would you? What is this place? It's a freak show. Very nicely done. Very nice. Well, you have a lovely voice. Thank you. Ever it. since the town selected me, my voice changed, and I found this voice, and I'm so excited. <laughs> it's kind of it's a. It, don't take this the wrong way, but it's kind of that has a little bit of a sultriness to it. That's uh, like a little bit like I, I don't take offense whatsoever. That's the there's a tone that I can get because my throat is tight. And my my vocal cords are all tight. From the surgery, that I can still keep my alto ness, but I can, I can carry it in this kind of, um, like uh, Eartha Kitty kind of way, and That's so awesome. it's, I, 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 when I figured out I could sing like that again or ever, I was very, very happy. So that it, I've been learning a lot of old standards to play with the ukulele. Sci-Fi Diner Podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Scott Herzog. And good evening, I'm Miles Kuhn-Clopper. Hi, I'm M. Sierra Garcia. And we're here tonight to bring you an episode of The Diner where we're actually talking news. Again, we don't do this too often anymore, Miles. M? No, never. I mean... <laughs> it's rarely so, uh, but we do have some news to talk about, stuff that we're kind of interested in. and oh, sure. uh, it's, uh, We feel it's timely and we're kind of excited about it. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. So, uh, as we're looking at this, what seems to be on the menu? Well, we have some um, uh, new Arrow Flash spinoff news. And uh, in, in movie news and trailers, uh, we have... This is kind of in a comic book thing, but because it's related to the Star Wars movie that's coming up later this year, we have a, a first look and, and uh, some information with the new Star Wars prequel comic books from the... The Force Awakens. Uh, also, uh, ca- we have some cast news for the Crow reboot. We also have the uh, an interstellar text adventure game, mm-hmm. and the uh, the new prequel. Well, the new the uh, the spinoff for the Force Awakens or the Star Wars, not the prequel, the spinoff as well. Yes, and uh, and this week's uh, um, this week in Star Trek, uh, Kate Mulgrew uh, has has penned her autobiography, and she uh, has uh, she'll be doing some tours uh, with that. Awesome, and. We have a really cool sci-fi five at five from our friend Colin Taylor. Yeah, absolutely. Colin, and so that's going to be awesome. Well, that's mm-hmm. going to be that's going to be great. Mm-hmm. I'm looking forward to chatting about this stuff. Me too. Um, <laughs> sinking our teeth into some good sci-fi stuff. Well, before we get into that though, let's 
Let's talk um, about a little thing that um, you were a part of. Uh, do you want to talk about this? Uh, well, it's going to be leading into our promo, but talk a little bit about this show that you were on. <laughs> okay. Well, that's, I wasn't expecting that. So, hey, <laughs> yeah, kids. So um, a long time ago in a podcast far, far away, um, a very sweet dude named uh, Jeffrey Bridges created this really fun character and let me run with her and make something awesome. Uh, and he did the same with another actor. And my character's name is Bobby Havner, and his is Officer Henderson. And for giggles, he decided to create a, a show, an audio, um, an audio drama called Henderson and Havner, and kind of adorable. And it was going to be a one-off, but it's, I was really excited that people loved it and thought it was funny, and it's a character really near and dear to my heart because she's pretty much me. Um, <laughs> uh, we, I just got the script two weeks ago. Season two is, is in the process, so very, very excited for another eight episodes of silliness and just something fun to listen to in your commute. Um, and you can find the original, the first season of the show, at PendantAudio.com. Uh, there's a whole bunch of other great audio shows there, some of which I am on. But um, I can't I can't love Henderson and Havner enough because it's, it's just crazy and strange and silly and a little embarrassing. <laughs> well, now, tell us a little bit about the premise of the show. So the best thing I can do is just kind of give you the snippet um, that's written on the website for this show. It's, uh, he's a cop, she's a reporter. They're both terrible at their jobs. Uh, undomesticated, seafowl, high fashion, and low expectations. Romeo and Juliet have nothing on these two. It's basically the adventures of two bumbling idiots who are adorable, who you love to love. That's awesome. <laughs> That's great. Awesome. Well, we're going to have to check that out. He's a cop. Ho oh, ho. Here to serve and protect and get ogled for my studly manliness and my manly studliness. She's a reporter. So there's like stuff. And I talk about it or whatever. But oh my god. Have you seen the new Tory Burch handbag? I mean, hello, it's bananas. <laughs> Together there, Henderson and Havner. Okay, um, why does his name totally have to come first? Because I'm a manzing? No. Oh my god. You totally did not just say that. No. Uh, no. You're looking fine, by the way. <laughs> Tell me something I don't know. <laughs> I mean, like the president of Burundi. Who even knew that was a country? Like, I just thought it was a different kind of Burberry bag. Premiering November 8th, 2013. Only at PendantAudio.com. Oh. Let's move into some TV news tonight. And, uh, Miles, it sounds like you are starting us off. I don't know if you want to read the whole story. It's a blurb of it. But tell us a little bit about what this news is, is on. So we'll get some more superhero goodness from the CW. Uh, now, here's the thing. CW has totally cornered the market. Okay, maybe not totally because there is Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. out there. Mm -hmm. but, but they aren't. Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. isn't really a superhero show. Right. It's kind of tied into that. But... But CW's kind of, with, with Arrow and Flash, has kind of cornered the superhero market. Am I correct, or am I forgetting someone? Uh, right now, you, you are correct. Right now, so I would say CW pretty much, when it comes to pure superhero comic, comic hero type you know, shows, they, they, they have it. Uh, I mean, Fox has Gotham. Uh, sometimes CBS is going to have a Supergirl series. Um, and, and, of course, AB, ABC has uh, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. right now. Right. So... They say so. CW basically said, "Okay, we've given them Arrow, we've mm -hmm. given them the Flash, but that's not enough. Not we want to give them something more." Right. So, what is that something more, Miles? So, this new Arrow of Flash spinoff series is basically Magnificent Seven with superheroes. Uh, Berlinanti, who produces both flagship shows and is developing a new spinoff, chat with a variety about the upcoming. Uh, Team spinoff. The series will star Arrow's uh, Ray Palmer, the the Adam Brandon Routh. You might remember him from the uh, uh, Superman Returns movie. Um, 
Also, it'll star um, Sarah, Sarah Lane, uh, who plays the Black Canary. And uh, I, th- I think that's played by K- Katie Lotz. The, the Flash is Dr. Martin Stein, uh, uh, played by Victor Garber. And, and, and The Flash is uh, Leonard uh, Snart, uh, Captain Cold, uh, Wentworth Miller. The show will also feature uh, three new heroes. Rumored candidates include Booster Gold and Static Shock. Ooh. Mm-hmm. So, are you familiar? Are any of you familiar with the Magnificent Seven? Um, no, I am not. Yeah, uh, am you? I am. I am not. I know some of those characters from individual, uh, their individual appearances in either a comic book or a cartoon. Especially Booster Gold. He's such a douche. <laughs> He's such a dupe. Like just Chuckle McChucklesons. I uh, I feel for him. <laughs> He's just sad. He is, and I, I I've only ever seen him in like animated Batman series. Was he? He was oh, in yeah. the yeah. He was in the animated Justice League. I remember yeah. that, and um, he was great, good at for entertainment value. But yeah, he kind of was douchey. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, they're they're calling it this kind of rat packy type of vibe, which I, I think will make for great storytelling. Um, we'll, we'll we'll see the. Uh, uh, the atom, which will be interesting. Well, now this sounds like it may, maybe I'm totally spinning this wrong, uh, but it sounds to me like what we're hearing is a, um, almost like a justice league, almost like a, uh, what's the other group, the Avengers type of thing, but just on a, just lesser known superheroes. Y- yeah. I mean, yeah, th- th- these, I guess, I hate to say B-listers, but I guess they would be considered to be B-listers in the B-lister DC, uh, superheroes, yeah, in, in the DC comic book realm. But um, but but if you figure, I mean, Green Arrow was never an A-lister uh, superhero, um, but but what they what they have done with Arrow on the CW is just phenomenal. And the Flash is amazing. Fla- so. Oh, Flash is fantastic! I love I love when they have team up crossovers. Those are really fun. And, you know, they managed there to create two shows, and we've said this before, but two shows with very different vibes in them. I mean, you're looking oh, at yeah. Arrow being a pretty dark show and, and, Arrow, and, and uh, Flash being a little bit lighter, a little bit more fun. And, and, and still exist in the same universe. Mm. Um, so, it's, um, so, yeah, I, I'm, I'm, I'm excited. I think, I mean, I, I love these two shows they have now, and, and a third one, I think, if it's in this, if this is the guy that that's the one that's producing it, it's in his hands. It should do well. Yeah, we hope. We hope. Mm-hmm. Awesome. Well, uh, Emma, you have a story. Yes. Yeah, so along the lines of uh, superhero team ups, um, I don't know if a lot if you guys know uh, Sony PlayStation. PlayStation um, is creating their own network of. TV shows, kind of like they want to be the next Hulu or the next Netflix or, you know, like a geek and sundry. They're they they they're creating their own content and putting it out on their own platforms. So there's a show called Powers. And uh, oddly enough, I got to, I went to a signing at um, New York Comic Con and got to see all the, uh, the amazing actors who were in it. And there's some really cool people. Um, there's uh, Sherido Cople, who is in Chappie, that's out now and was in District 9. Eddie Izzard, one of my absolute, absolute favorite um, comedians. Uh, I'm going through the list really quick. There's a couple other people in here who you once, Noah Tyler, or Taylor, excuse me, there's people that you'll recognize. And it's it's this neat show that, I mean, it's, it's, a, it's, it's kind of R-rated, and it's, a, it's, it's, it's a comic book serial, but it, it there's an edginess to it. Um, as there's an article from Variety that gives you a whole bunch of detail, but the first paragraph kind of gives it all that it's a fanboy friendly edginess. It is is a good selling point for any show handed you know with super heroic task of simultaneously making PlayStation a name for its original content, luring subscribers to PlayStation Plus package, and adapting already respected source material and Taking all of that and then creating this neat little team-up show is unbelievable. And it's set in a world where humans and superheroes coexist. Um, There's a homicide detective who has his own powers taken away from him and investigates crimes involving superhumans along with his partner. And it just kind of goes from there. And the first episode you can find on the interwebs 
for free. Um, but the rest of the episodes, you need to um, you need to be part of the PlayStation Network. You need to subscribe in. So super smart for them. Um, they I've seen the first 15 minutes of the show, and I will have to find. I don't have a PlayStation anymore. Um, I will have to go and to my buddy Andrew, who has a PlayStation, and go watch it at his house. Cause and I'll, I will make the time to do that. I'm excited for this. Now, do you think? I mean, obviously, this is this. I mean, Xbox has done did this years ago, and uh, mm -hmm. and there's been not and, very successfully. What was that? Mind. Not as not very successfully. Well, they had the guild. Yeah, but the guild then became part of Geek and Sundry. So you right. really, they became they they lost the guild. Right, they did, but you know, it used to be that that was the way you watched the guild if you wanted the especially the early release stuff. Mm -hmm. um, but Xbox did it, and now Netflix. You have Amazon. We have a lot of providers that are putting out their own original content. Mm -hmm. um, I guess my question is, and I, I think it's great that PlayStation's behind this and is doing this. Do you feel like, and may either either one of you here, do you feel like in in any way the PlayStation's kind of limiting the the impact that show can have by saying it's only available on PlayStation? Uh, I think they're taking a risk. It's calculated risk, but considering how many PS4s were sold uh, since its launch, and how many other it, it, there's 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 a lot of people out there. There's a lot of people out there. I'm sorry, Miles, I interrupted right. you. Um, risk, yes, and and it's it's going to limit some people. I mean, I don't play video games the way I used to play. I I don't see myself acquiring a, a PlayStation Three or Four anytime soon. So, um, I, I don't see myself seeing this show because of that. Well, you know, the reality is it'll probably make its way out into the web eventually. It's just that a matter of time. Netflix might pick up the DVDs or they may stream the first season like they do with a lot of the other shows. Yeah, they did for the Guild for a while. And mm -hmm. So, I mean, yeah, I guess, uh, yeah, I don't know. It's, I, I'm not saying it's a bad thing. I'm saying I'm just, just not sure. Like, I'm not going to go out and buy a PlayStation 4 just to watch the series. Right. right. Well, and Sony, I mean, I, whenever I think of Sony's, you know, great ideas and their lack of partnership, I think of the Sony Betamax, which was it's it really was a superior platform to the VHS. But Sony got it in their heads that they weren't going to license, so they weren't <laughs> going to partner. And I'm sure that they've learned from that mistake. Yeah. But you never know. You never know. This is a new big thing, and if they're smart, they'll do it right. Yahoo has been trying, but I've watched some of the content, and Yahoo has gotten some big shows and saved some big shows. But it's still dominated by the Hulu, the Netflix, and the Amazon. Oh yeah. So we'll we'll see what happens. It'll take a little bit to it'll take a bit to dislodge one of those three giants. What's right. interesting is right. just the way we, we are getting our TV shows now. I mean, cable TV isn't the only way we'll get new content on TV yeah. shows. This will this will be. I, I don't even. Oh, I'm sorry. I was just gonna say. I mean, um. Yeah. I mean, it's 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 one way that I mean, this is one way the uh, cable TV will have some competition is that you could watch some new and original content on some of these streaming services like Netflix, Amazon, and uh, Hulu. Yeah, you were saying Emma? well, oh well, and now now that HBO has come out to do HBO Go Plus, so that you don't need a cable box and an HBO subscription to watch HBO content. And I think it's 15 bucks a month and only available on Apple TV at the moment. Uh, they are working on other avenues of distributing that the content as well. Um, but this is this is gonna this is gonna rock things. Um, I personally I have a TV, but only to watch stuff through my Apple TV. I don't subscribe to pay television anymore because my content comes from the internet. It comes from all of those content providers. And I'm debating whether to do HBO Go, uh, mainly just during Game of Thrones. <laughs> yeah, of course. But of course, um, there's there's a lot of good content on there, and that's a whole new revenue stream for them, for those of us who just don't have TV. And then there are the people who are going to turn around and go, well, you know, what what am I paying, fifty bucks a month and renting a box for fifty, you know, fourteen ninety nine, and I'll just get rid of it all and I'll pay fifteen bucks a month and. Get it all on the internet. To me, this is 
this is the way to go if you especially for traditional cable people like hbo right um mm. to make content available for a price um i don't know if 15 bucks is too much or too little or, or how that all factors in but you know, most of us, when we watch TV, we, we, we might have 200 cable channels, but you better believe we're not watching all 200 cable channels. We're watching, oh, right. Like, there's probably like four or five. And if, mm-hmm. I mean, you might be able to save the cable industry, at least to a degree, at least some stations, if these stations were to provide their content, you know, at a cost, you know, online. I mean, people, I guess, like, I guess HBO Go uh, Plus is not out yet. Is that correct? I I think it's gone live. Okay. I have to. So I'll I'll double check that on the interwebs. Yeah. So you know if it's live, this and let's see how it does that for a couple months. We can kind of see if this is a model that's going to work. If people are going to buy into it, are they going to spend fifteen bucks mm-hmm. to, to to have it on every device that they own? Or I guess on the Apple TV for right now, but. but. Uh, they're look. They are looking at another service, but it it all comes back to. When you, when you had mentioned, is this going to be good for cable or is this going to be bad for cable by having another means of getting content by using the PS4, using, you know, anything by PlayStation. PlayStation. Yeah. I love those commercials. PlayStation. I know. It's, 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 just, just, it's just that <laughs> little bit, too. PlayStation. Yeah. It <laughs> sticks with me. Those marketing guys earn their money when they came they up do. with that. They do. Um Miles, let's move into some movies. You have a piece of movie news here that we should chat about because, hey, we're all excited about a little bit of Star Wars. Yes, we're excited about some new Star Wars and uh, that, especially that it's in somebody else's hands. That's neither here nor there. (laughs) Right, right, right. right. (laughs) We didn't say that. So uh, rumor has it that before The Force Awakens, we are going to get a little bit of a uh, comic book prequel. Do you want to tell us a little bit about that? Absolutely. So uh, we saw this article on Blaster. We could put it in there. Um, so here's our, our first look at, at Marvel's Star Wars The Force Awakens prequel comic. We've already heard Disney will be rolling out several books and other projects to fill in some of the gaps between the original Star Wars trilogy and The Force Awakens. Here's a first look at the first legit prequel. The new Star Wars comics has been setting up some extremely fun stories, but now uh, Disney is get, and via Marvel is getting ready to drop the f- first piece of Journey to Star Wars, The Force Awakens uh, sequel material. This brand new comic aims to explore the period between Return of the Jedi and The Force Awakens. More than anything else, the book promises to provide some extremely important intel that will affect all the Star Wars movies currently in the works. Judging by the cover art revealed below by artist Phil Natto, it seems that the series will star the main heroes, Luke, Han, and Leia. It also seems that to be in the wake of Return of the Jedi, meaning we'll hopefully pick up the immediately aftermath of the second of the second Death Star's destruction. Despite it, that victory, it seems there are still pockets of Imperial forces out there need to be dealt with. The first issue of Star Wars The Force Awakens Shattered Empire will be released September 2015. The Shattered Woo! Empire. Mm-hmm. Done. Spying it. I'll stand in the queue and get one. No, it's 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 awesome because, I mean, we we love Star Wars and we're, we're, we always... We have, of course, the Thrawn trilogy, which filled in the gap afterwards. But this is like the new, <laughs> the new. And uh, uh, you'll hear Timothy Zahn talk about that when we, uh, when we interview <laughs> him. But um, this is the the new, the new way of things come as far as what's going on in the Star Wars universe. It's a shift in direction. Um, in a sense, much like the uh, Mirror Universe was in Star Trek. It's a little bit shift. It's different. It's going to be a different than what we've been hearing in the future of Star Wars and and so it's kind of cool that they're releasing it in the comic book form to kind of fill in the gap and to create buzz and excitement oh, three, yeah. three months before the movie releases because the movie releases in December. Am I correct? You are correct. Yeah, so. That's 30 years of material to um, or, or uh, of time to, to deal with. Yeah, so they are saying it's 30 years in the future. Is that what the that Force Awakens is? That's been my understanding the whole yeah, time. It's, I, it's, I forget. I, didn't, I don't know what the – I assume it's going to be 30 years. I didn't – I mean – you can't hide the fact that our heroes have gotten a little older since we saw them last. <laughs> think? <laughs> By the way, just when you're talking about Star Wars, did you see that little Ewok thing that came through? I uh, know I haven't. On um, on Facebook. Did you see that, Em? Yeah, I posted it. Yeah, you posted it. And then I saw it somewhere. It's funny. It's really it. sweet. It's cute. It's a really sweet little snippet. And 
and and just look back at at, at it's just oh work was so little he was just a little boy <laughs> yeah he was no it's very it was very cool very cool you have to check it out it's on our facebook page okay um basically in it this ewok is trying to find him his way to the right sound stage oh okay and he runs into han luke and it's it was it looks like it was, well, it was filmed back when they did the uh i guess um return of the jedi so it was a little short basically okay but i don't know why i never saw this before um do you know did they just release it i, mean, I- I randomly saw it on the Facebooks and had to put it up on our page because it was adorable and just kind of put it out there. Maybe people I, saw I, this before, but I didn't. Somebody's got to know the full skinny. I think we should, we should, um, if someone can give us the details behind it, I have a signed photograph of one Garrett Wong um, that uh, they could win. Uh, yeah, the absolutely. first person to send us an email using the super fancy word Wanganator um, will get it <laughs> and tell us the story correctly. You can't just make up some crap because yeah. I'll know. I'm yeah. good at figuring out crap. <laughs> uh, BT Dub, uh, so HBO Now will be available on Apple iTunes, uh, on Apple ITV in April. Okay, so it's coming out. So we'll have to see exactly how that how that transpires. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, so... Uh, Again, we should repeat that at the end of the show so people can be aware that we actually have a contest in here and we should list it in our site as well. Maybe we can put it in the, the Facebook as well and give our Facebook community a chance to answer for a mm-hmm. That'd be Totally. Cool. So, all right. Well, uh, so I think I, I have the next story. So let me, so here, here, here it goes. Here it goes. Darkness and then a hiss. The lid of your cryo bed slides open. The water that was shielding you from the galactic cosmic radiation you've been exposed to while traveling across the universe drains away. You regain consciousness, but a jolt when you discover that you are encased in a plastic sheath. You quickly find the interior zipper and yank it down. The water left in your mouth triggers a gag reflex. You sit up quickly and cough, trying not to choke. But all of a sudden, but the sudden movement caused you to sink deeper into the gel lining of the pod. Unable to get your bearings, you remember your training and relax. You're sinking back into the soft goo. Your eyes are still adjusting and you cannot see your surroundings. Type a command. You can relax or look from the inside of the cryo bed. Type help for additional commands. You type relax. So what we have here is what, Em? We have a text adventure game! Yeah, and not just any text adventure game. This is a text adventure game based on the movie Interstellar. Sweet. So if you watched Interstellar and saw it in the theaters, were excited about it because it was a pretty awe-inspiring, you know, experience to see it in theaters. Uh, you can now kind of live it. You can become a character in that and actually play the game. And the URL for that is pretty easy. It's interstellarmovie.com/backslash/adventure. So it's a pretty easy URL to remember. Um, so what sort of news do they have here? Um, I guess the film got a digital HD release today ahead of the Blu-ray release later this month and we get a chance to discuss Interstellar's merit shortcomings all over again while getting some added fun in the form of a tie-in game but it's not just any game it's the text adventure game and um, mm. Miles did you ever play text adventure game? I can't say that I have but M, did you? Yes, like Oregon Trail, and I had a bunch of D&D versions that were that way I loved them, you know, you just type left, open door Pick up sword, find sword, stab, you <laughs> fall cl- down. Yeah, you climb the stairs. Ahead of you is a doorway. To the left is a living room. To the right is a dungeon. Uh, you know, there's just it's, 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 it's that sort of game, and it's all text based. This is like one of the this is like the very early it's old school. Yeah, very old school computer gaming, and it's kind of neat to see a uh, a. A throwback to the what the Infocom games and the TAD games and all that mm-hmm. that we used to play. So you're but, seeing a little bit of a resurgence in that. A lot of uh, I, I at least I'm starting to hear more about them. I need to sit down and do a little research. PAX uh, East was just uh, like this past weekend yes. or the weekend before. So there's a lot of fun stuff that's come out, and I'm I'm way behind on my PAX reading, but. Um, Penny Arcade, I'm sure, was a wonderful place for games like this to get launched. And I wonder if they had this on hand for people to play and just kind of 
you know, sit back and go old school. Yeah, that's pretty cool. It's fun to kind of take a trip down memory lane sometimes. Not to play them all the time. But Yay! Orange soda and hot pockets. Yep. Well, uh, my, when I was when I first started teaching, girls would just absolutely swoon over this movie. Miles, tell us about this movie. I've had mixed feelings about remakes. Um, <laughs> the, there, there's one one side of me that says the original was great. Why? Why, why? Why mess with it? Why rec- try to recreate? There's such a legend and a history behind the original too. I mean, there's mm. such a mythos that has kind of grown out and risen like a phoenix out of the ashes. Right. But then sometimes I'll see the remake and I thought that was actually pretty good. Maybe I was maybe I was too harsh. Um, but I'm still reserving judgment on this one. But uh, so we have some information about the Crow remake. We talked about this a while ago, but uh, so. We, we have confirmation, I guess, who is playing the Eric Drevin character, and, and it's an actor by the name of Jack Houston. So, so last month there was reported that um, that uh, Hot Boardwalk Empire and Ben Hur remake star, another remake, uh, J- Jack Houston was being tapped to portray the iconic Re- Eric Drevin in a long just just gestating remake of The Crow. And now the comics creator, James O'Barr, has confirmed to uh, uh, Dread Central at the Lexington Comic and Troy Convention that the actor has signed on the line that is dotted. Uh, Obar says most of the cast will be British, including at least one Game of Thrones vet. And, and here are some other uh, hit points. Uh, the new film will, will, will hew closer to the original graphic novel, including the bird accompanying Eric was actually talking to him. The bird effect could be brought to life with uh, stop-motion animation, a staple of Hardy's short and music video work. It will be shot this spring in Belgium and standing in, in for uh, Detroit. Uh, if the film is successful, he hopes it'll, it'll lead to sequels that, unlike the previous franchise, tackle the crow in different forms and time periods, with the second film being a, a female crow, presumably Iris Shaw from the 1996 graphic novel uh, The Crow, Flesh and Blood. While another graphic novel, The Crow, Dead Time, features a Native American named Joshua during the Civil War era. Do you know what's great about that idea? The Great about the idea, the way they're talking about the uh, crow sequels, is that you don't you aren't locked in to an, a central actor. It functions a little bit like Doctor Who. Mm-hmm. Uh, but that being said, if this guy pulls it off mm-hmm. and people go to the theater because of his performance is such a stellar, dead-on ad- adaptation of The Crow, then they're going to have a hard time selling a sequel without him. That, that, that That's kind of a corner they might paint themselves into if, if this one just kind of, uh, you know, you know, rocks or blows everybody's socks off. I mean, um, but the idea of them going to the Civil War or, or, or other periods, that, that seems pretty cool to me. But they've never, since the only the only Crow movie that succeeded was the first one. The other, they, there was like mm. uh, at least three that came after it. And honestly, they were all kind of crappy um uh, they're not memorable at all they're completely unremarkable exactly and so um maybe they'll take this more seriously and uh maybe they could go go creatively that in ways that the graphic novels were able to do yeah yeah i don't know who i'm gonna totally lose geek cred here brandon what was the guy's last name that played brandon lee brandon Brandon Lee. lee brandon lee Bruce Lee's kid. Yeah, was he? Yep. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. Which is part of the mythos That's, there. Yeah. Okay. It's just this, he and his dad died very similarly, didn't they? Uh, his dad died. I'm, I'm trying to remember how his dad did die. It was under very mysterious circumstances, but but Brandon mm. Lee died on on the set of, of filming this. He he. It was the first film he died. Uh, he he did other movies. He did. He, but, but I mean, his first film of The Crow. Yes. Yes. Um. But it was, um, I don't know how, I mean, one of the guns, I, I, I assume, I mean, they had blanks in it, but I don't know if he was too close or whatever, but that's what he, he got hit by one of the guns in the movie, and that's, and it killed him. It was just, uh, um, when they when they had to finish filming, they, they, you know, they used other actors, like for faraway shots or, you know, long for distance. stand-ins. Stand, yeah, stand-ins. So... The first one has a lot of the, um, 
I don't know what you want to call it, uh, notoriety um, yeah. to it. Yeah, well, we'll see if this can carry it. Uh, Em, what do you think about a reboot of The Crow? Don't need it. We don't need it. I mean, unless unless someone is sitting down and taking a really unique look at the story and and creating it differently. Um, Like, I just saw the preview for Fantastic Four when I went to the movies this weekend. And... They've really taken a different spin, and they've piqued my interest. I wasn't that jazzed about it until I saw this. So they they're gonna have to work hard, and they're gonna. I, I want a different point of view because those la- the crow was amazing. The follow up movies were just rubbish, and don't 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 patronize me. Don't yeah. don't don't direct and write down to me create something amazing and people will recognize it and go to it. You know, I wonder, I wonder just in part if, um, if he's able to pull it off. Remember we, we said this about like, I remember saying this about Spider-Man. So Tobey Maguire was the Spider-Man for three films and overall we liked the films. And then Andrew Garfield, they came around and turned another Spider-Man and it was only a matter of, it wasn't that long between the last, Tobey Maguire movie and this movie. Right. And somehow they managed to reinvent Spider-Man and sell us on Spider-Man again. Um, And so it's able to be done and able to be done somewhat successfully. Mm -hmm. But you're right, Em, they do need to bring... I mean, one of the things that made Andrew Garfield's Spider-Man different, he he was was a little bit more emo, a little bit more uh, darker than the Tobey Maguire and... I don't know. It worked. A little darker, but also a little bit more personable, a little more funny. Yeah. A little bit more human. He was a very human Peter Parker. So if we can somehow reinvent the crow that way, mm. you know, we're, we're talking here. We need to see some trailers before we begin to make some judgment calls. But we're skeptical. Oh, I'm judging the crap out of it now. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I I agree. I want to. M is the lawgiver. It's too soon to judge it. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, let's move into uh, M. You want to talk about the spinoff film, and then we'll move into some other stuff here. We have a so spinoff we're talking film about Star Wars and more interesting things. We're we're you know we're all sitting on pins and needles waiting for this next installment of Star Wars. We're super psyched. Um, you know, if you're a fan hoping for some serious movie redemption after the fan films, um, it's it's really an exciting time. I mean, we're going to, December of this year, yay, we're going to get J.J. Abrams' you know, view of what's happening with Star Wars, and that's great with The Force Awakens. And we know that the 8th and the ninth installments are coming, so that's fantastic. But it's only the beginning. So Walt Disney, in their infinite wisdom of making money, and also really creating... A world, not just a franchise, but a whole world and universe. Um, they're developing spin-off films for Star Wars, and it's not even out yet, and it's so exciting. Um, so at a shareholders meeting in Los Angeles, they announced that uh, they're going to put out a spin-off, run a, a series that's going to be beyond the main core of the story, and it'll be, it looks like the dude who did Godzilla, um, Gareth Edwards, is going to be behind that. Awesome. I loved Godzilla. New Godzilla was so good. There was some cheesy writing, but really impressed. So I'm impressed with what's going to come out. And so the project is described as the first film in a unique series of big screen adventures that explores the characters and events beyond the core Star Wars saga. Um, There isn't a plot out there yet. There isn't any real information but if you think about it, you know, this, this spinoff is called Rogue One. Okay? If you think about what Rogue means in the Star Wars world, you can only, there's only like one thing you can imagine, Starfighter. I mean, think about Wedge and Luke when they were, you know, building all of those, kind of creating that world after, you know, the loss of Darth Vader. It, it, it can only be that. Like, that's, you have to put those two together. And, 
So it's it's neat. Um, it's more than neat. It's just very exciting to, that they're thinking way beyond just the next three movies, but to help really create this giant universe. So that's super super exciting, and that's the you know. Um, so it's that's the batch of official but predictably predictably vague Star Wars information, which I dig. I like how protective they are about that info. I want to be surprised, and who knows what other tidbits are going to pop up. Yeah, it should be interesting. Well, if we don't have enough Star Wars, I just saw as well. They uh, just announced today what, uh, the Star Wars aftermath, the first novelization to take place after Endor. Oh wow. oh wow! So it's called "What Happened After Endor." Find out in Star Wars Aftermath. Aftermath. Woo-hoo! So we have a novel that's going to be coming out, and uh, so that's going to be awesome. Chuck Wendig is the author of that, so they don't tell us uh, a lot about it. Just that it's a title on that. When is it supposed to be released? In, uh, mm, September. So it'll come out along with the comic. So, so that's kind of cool. They're nice. really pushing the new Star Wars. So yeah, that's, that's smart. They're, doing, they're being real smart, but they had. I hope that they learned from the fan films' mistakes. Yes, we want them to learn from their mistakes. Yeah, yeah. Well, let's move into this week in Star Trek, just to kind of counterbalance all our Star Wars talk. What's going on in the world of Star Trek? Well, in this week in Star Trek, uh, we find out that Kate Mulgrew has written her autobiography, and she's going to be doing some uh, book signing tours. Uh, her, her her biography is called Born With Teeth, a memoir. It's set to hit stores on April 14th to promote its release. Uh, Mulgrew is scheduled to appear at, at nine book signings, details, and complete list of book, book tours dates below. I put the article on our Facebook page already, so listeners, if you are that's something you might be interested in, you could check that out. We should see if we can get her on the diner. That would be awesome. That would be awesome. Mm, I know, right? Let's just contact her. Uh, we'll help promote her book. Yeah, we 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 can talk about her book. So we can. Uh, um, well, she's in Twitter. We can like Twitter. See if she'll talk about it. Or sure. She has a website. We can see if we can go through her public publicist. We could. Yeah. We'll, we'll see. The worst they could do is say no. Yeah. Then they've done it before. Mm-hmm. But uh, you can pre-order it on Amazon, and uh, it'll be available in hardcover, audiobook, and Kindle e- uh, ebook format. Awesome. Nice. Mm-hmm. Awesome. All right. Well, let's move into our second promo for tonight. And this second promo is for a show called The Dune Saga Podcast, a show that I'm a part of, along with David Moulton, who you met if you listened to the podcast for a while. And also... Um, Jim Arrowwood is also a part of that, and he's, of course, with the Babylon Project podcast as well, as well as Jim's sci-fi blog. And we are just taking a little journey through this world called Dune, and that journey will come to an end in November, most likely, because we will run through the series. Hmm. So, But if you are a fan of Dune, make sure you check it out. Here's the promo. I must not fear. Fear is the mind killer. Fear is the little death that brings total obliteration. I will face my fear. I will permit it to pass over me and through me. And when it has gone past, I will turn the inner eye to see its path. Where the fear has gone, there will be nothing. Only I will remain. Experience Dune like never before. The Dune Saga Podcast with David Scott and Jim lead you chronologically through the novels of Frank Herbert, Brian Herbert, and Kevin J. Anderson. Relive your favorite moments, join in the conversations, and let the spice expand your universe. The Dune Saga Podcast. Ride the sandworm to dunesagapodcast.com or to iTunes for more information. Alright, it's dessert time! Dessert time! Yay! So Yay. hungry for dessert. Dessert rolls. Yeah, dessert rolls. I want me some cake. 
So, uh, right, well, it was just pie day, you know. Oh, well, yeah, Saturday. okay. I'll take pie as well. We're doing pie specials today. Way to read the menu. I know. I can't read worth a darn. I ain't no English teacher. <laughs> Yikes. Yeah. Yikes. <clears throat> I can't believe you're in charge of educating our youth. <laughs> Me neither. Anyway, <laughs> um, do you want to talk a little bit about our Sci-Fi 5 and 5, our little dessert we have yes. for people tonight? So tonight's Sci-Fi 5 and 5 is brought to you by my buddy Colin Taylor. Hi, Woo! Colin. Um, how's it going, Tiger? Um, <laughs> he's going to love that. Um, so I had pinged him a while ago, and we were talking about the five and fives, and, he, and I said, well, you come up with some. So he really sweetly came up with this, the top five obscure science fiction shows that you should probably watch or watch again. And okay. so he's got a really good, really good list here, and I agree with almost all of them because some of them I don't know. And uh, number five being a classic, uh, Quantum Leap. Yeah. Mm -hmm. If you can find uh, copies to watch, I don't know if it's on the Netflix. Last time I checked, it was. It was. Awesome. You know, I'm not, I have it I don't think on I've my ever, binge list. I've, I've watched like an episode. I've never watched. I've never oh, really watched it. Oh, it's so good. I, I've watched Dude, it. Yeah, it's yeah. good. You totally need to watch it. Number four is Sequest DSV. Uh, in the early 21st century, mankind has colonized the oceans. The United Earth Oceans Organization enlists Captain Nathan Bridger and the submarine Sequest DSV to keep the peace and explore the last frontier on Earth, um, the oceans. Really, really great cast. There's Roy Schreider, there's Jonathan Brandis, Don Franklin. Amazing people. It's a neat, neat show that everyone should go back and watch. It's from the early 90s. Um, you know, you can't really, don't judge it by its its its, its graphics or its lack of tech, but it, it it's a neat point of view of, of what they had come together to, what the writers pulled together. I loved it. I, I, Did you I guys watch it? I watched it too, yeah, it was good. Nope, not me. I didn't, I didn't, Gosh. I didn't. I didn't want, I, I this didn't, list is for you, Scott. This well, list what if, is for me. He gave this list for me. Well, yeah. <laughs> Dude, totally. I know. So the third one you had to have watched. Oh, Did absolutely. You watch I own it oh. on DVD. Well, then why don't you take this one, dude? Okay. The Lone Gunman 2001 spinoff of The X-Files featuring the trio computer hacking conspiracy geeks popularly known as The Lone Gunman. Like the misguided Mission Impossible team, they embark on a series of comic adventures that simultaneously highlight their genius and ineptitude. Bruce Harwood, Tom Braidwood, Dean Haglund, uh, Zulika Robinson, and Steven Sneiden, 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 I don't know how to pronounce the last name there, but it was, it truly is exactly what they said. It was these guys, these conspiracy guys, they were the people that were always, everything was a conspiracy on the X-Files, and they were so loved that they spun it off um, even Bones did a little tribute to the Lone Gunman. So if you watch Bones, they actually had, I believe it was, um, mm, Dean Haglin on. And really? He, he was, he was, he was kind of, awesome. he, was, he was reprising his role as a UFO hunter. So it was kind of funny. Oh, wow. Yeah, so. Oh, very funny. I like I, it. I did love it. And it was canceled after 13 episodes, much in the Fox tradition. Notice the year 2001. Fox was canceling stuff left and right after uh, 13 episodes. Oh, I <laughs> know. Steam. Chuckleheads. Anyway, so, go ahead. Well, this next this next show I'd never heard of. Miles, did you or or, um, or Scott? Nope, never. First, heard of it. no, a first wave. I, that's 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 new to me. Though. So first wave is late 90s, early 2000, 2001. Framed for murder and on the run, a former thief struggles to expose the vanguard of an alien invasion with the help of some conspiracy theorists and a newly discovered prophecies of Nostradamus. I, I, I'm going to look this up. This sounds kind of interesting. It, looks, it sounds different. And um, I don't know anything about it. So Me neither. If that you watch, listeners, if you watch this, let us know what you thought of it. We'd love to hear from you. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah absolutely. And then on last, the number one on the list, which is I loved this show so hard. It was so good. Sliders, a boy genius and his comrades travel to different parallel universes trying to find their way back home. Jerry O'Connell. Oh, my God. Carrie Wurst, Sabina um, 
Lloyd, John Reese davies just a great cast, really fun adventures. Uh, I, I can't recommend it enough. I think I think Sci-Fi had thrown it up maybe a couple years ago to kind of run it, just you know, as a revenue generator, just something. Um, but I I want to say sci-fi that in there somewhere. I think it's on Hulu or I think it's on the Netflixes. Yeah. But I, it was on Netflix I mean, last it, time I it, saw. It, Oh, good. And Colin writes here, Sliders was a fantastic show. I loved watching that when I was uh, when it was on the Sci-Fi channel back in the day. And I'm going to add a caveat to that. Back in the day when it was a science fiction channel. That's true. It, it started on Fox for a few seasons, if I remember yep. correctly. And then you are you have a good memory. So the fountain of useless information always comes through. In fact, it aired prior to the X-Files. Okay. Now, back when I started watching Sliders, I loved Sliders. Sliders like was like the sci-fi show I was watching on TV when I first got married, so 96, right? And The X-Files was on, and I didn't I hated the show that came off after, so I always turned off The X-Files after Sliders was done. Mm-hmm. The irony mm-hmm. being I fell in love with X-Files like a year or two later and went back and watched all the early seasons again, but <laughs> <laughs> but I absolutely loved Sliders and you know, Sliders the wormhole was like the Stargate because you literally had a new story every week. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. A whole new earth. I mean, the sky was a limit. I mean, a constant what if, uh, what, what if this happened on earth and it was exp- often explored in that one episode. Uh, so I didn't watch sliders the first run, but when they re aired it on the sci-fi channel, I just, um, can't say I binge watched it cause it didn't, uh, they, they aired episodes, you know, not you know every, every night as opposed to a whole bunch together. But I watched, but I recorded them on these old things called VHS tapes, and I, you know, <laughs> so that that that's how I caught up on Sliders. Uh, but Sliders I, was a good show. It was. It yeah. date, you know, you go back and watch it now; it's definitely dated. It, 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 <laughs> oh yeah. yeah. Oh but, yeah. There's no way around that. But a uh, good show. But the theme of just going to a different Earth, where something's just a little bit different than where your home is, or. Um, yeah, it was it, it was it was I, I have very fond memories of watching Sliders. Yeah. Any other <laughs> any other series that would make the list as being those obscure sci-fi shows that people should check out? For for comic's sake, um, people should if you can find a copy of Galactica nineteen eighty, and you've watched the original Battlestar Galactica, you you have to watch. Galactica 1980. There's just no way around. You have to watch it. It's it's not great, but it's just it's it's a good attempt, and it was a fun. I when I found it uh, a couple months ago, it used to be on on the Netflix, but I did find it online to watch, and it was it was nice. It was nostalgic. If you grew up in that time and watched it, it was nice to go back and watch it again. Yeah. How about for you, uh, Miles? Do you have a uh, show that you put on? Yeah. Um... This goes back uh, very early on, like like Galactic 1980, um, uh, Voyagers. It was um, oh yeah. Uh, this this kid and this 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 pirate, uh, they were time travelers. They were called Voyagers, or basically it was their job and other Voyagers' job to maintain the the, the uh, correct timeline. And the, the the guy who was the pirate spoke with a perfect American accent. Um, but uh, he uh, he lost his, his 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 guidebook and accidentally took the kid with him. And the kid's father was a history professor, and so the kid had just happened to be a history buff himself. He was the, the, the this guy's guidebook, and um, they did all kinds. I mean, it was great. They went they went to the Titanic once. Um, uh, the kid helped Babe Ruth, uh, you know, with his swing. Um, you know, so it was it was great. I mean, a sci-fi thing of the time travel thing, but also just the whole historical thing. I mean, it was a great thing to teach kids a little bit of history. Hmm. That, yeah. that 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 that's one I really enjoyed. I actually went back a few years ago when they when Netflix released the D, the DVDs. I went back and watched a few of those episodes. Oh, awesome. nice. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I have one, what? and so I two actually. But that, that let's just limit, I'll limit to one. You know, we reviewed about. What, four, four or five years ago, we talked about Charlie Jade. Mm-hmm. And I think that Charlie Jade remains one of these undercurrent cult 
look at parallel universes. Um, that was an interesting collaboration between Canada and South Africa in a, sh in a show. It aired on sci-fi, but you had to like tune in like 1 o'clock in the morning or 11 o'clock at night. It was some odd hour. And um, so it never got a lot of foothold over here. But we heard about it from our good friend, uh, Kevin Batchelder. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, what a great... What a great, uh, what a great series. You said grape. Did I say grape? I meant grape. Yep. Yeah, well, it was grape, too. Uh, <laughs> but I'm sorry, I couldn't resist. <laughs> no, that's fine. Well, I think that that about does it here. Let's. Why don't we uh, go ahead and uh, move toward wrapping this up, and we'll do a little bit of a listener feedback show if we have time here. And So, uh, yeah, I believe that is about it. If you get to uh, Regeneration Who, make sure you look us up. Someone will be there representing the diner. It's a just question. It's just a question of who. Mm -hmm. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> you got it. Mm -hmm. All right. So, uh, anything else to say, Em? Um, let's see. Be sure your children have watched the first three. Star Wars movies before you show them the fan films. That's all I must say about that. Yeah, so this is your public service announcement. Yeah, it's your PSA. Yeah. Parents, if you love your kids, show them the good movies, not the crappy ones. <laughs> oh yes. Well thank you for that public service announcement. So You're welcome. Uh, yeah. All right, uh Miles, why don't you take us out? All right, till next time. Good night and good luck. We will see ya. Do your dailies. Thank you so much for visiting the Sci-Fi Diner. We hope you enjoyed the food, the service, and the conversations. If you'd like to share your thoughts regarding what we've talked about, or tell us what you're watching or reading, flip open your communicators and contact us at 1-888-508-4343 or click the SpeakPipe link at SciFiDinerPodcast.com. Or send an MP3 or typed email to sci-fi diner podcast at gmail.com. You can also join the conversation on our Facebook fan page at facebook.com slash sci-fi diner. We'll share your thoughts on our listener feedback show. If you'd like to support the diner beyond the conversation, you can always throw some coins in the tip jar at sci-fi diner podcast.com. <laughs>